And we want to welcome our online audience who may be joining us this morning on this Mother's Day. And we also want to wish you a very, very happy Mother's Day. I so appreciated Julie's prayer. And I think it's really important to honor all women on Mother's Day because they are all so very special. Uh, a few years ago, I read this tribute by a blogger, and I felt that she captured it so well that on Mother's Day, I think it's important to, to share it. And so I'm going to do that again this year. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss this year through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, oh, how we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your painful memories. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not meant to be, we grieve with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child still in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with all of you and we honor you today for the very special gift that you are to all of us. Well, mothers have been entrusted, have they not, with such a high and a lofty calling. I believe mothers have the hardest job in the world, the most thankless job at times, but also the very most important job. And certainly this morning, we honor you, we salute you. When we think of honoring in the scriptures, there is no better scripture to consider than Proverbs 31, which is no doubt the most beautiful tribute found in the word of God, extolling women who fear the Lord. And so today, in honor of all of our mothers, I want to read this passage. I know we're so used to hearing it, especially those of us who've been in the church for many years from the King James Bible. The Passion Translation has recently come out and it so vividly communicates the sentiment and the emotion and the passion of the scripture. And so this morning, as we extol the virtues of such women, I would like to read 
from Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10, from the Passion Translation. Who can ever find a wife like this one? She is a woman of strength and mighty valor. She's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. Her husband has entrusted his heart to her, for she brings him the rich spoils of victory. All throughout her life, she brings him what is good and not evil. She searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. She delights in the work of her hands. She gives out revelation truth to feed others. She is like a trading ship bringing divine supplies from the merchant. Even in the night season, she arises and sets food on the table for hungry ones in her house and for others. She sets her heart upon a field and takes it as her own. She labors there to plant vines. She wraps herself in strength, might, and power in all of her works. She tastes and experiences a better substance, and her shining light will not be extinguished, no matter how dark the night. She stretches out her hands to help the needy, and she lays hold of the wheels of government. She is known by her extravagant generosity to the poor, for she always reaches out her hands to those in need. She's not afraid of tribulation, for all her household is covered in the dual garments of righteousness and grace. Her clothing is beautifully knit together, a purple gown of exquisite linen. Her husband is famous and admired by all, sitting as the venerable judge of his people. Even her works of righteousness she does for the benefit of her enemies. Bold power and glorious majesty are wrapped around her as she laughs with joy over the latter days. Her teachings are filled with wisdom and kindness as loving instruction pours from her lips. She watches over the ways of her household and meets every need that they have. Her sons and her daughters arise in one accord to extol her virtues. And her husband arises to speak of her in glowing terms. There are many valiant and noble ones, but you have ascended above them all. Charm can be misleading. And this is my text this morning. And beauty is vain and so quickly fades. But this virtuous woman lives in the wonder, awe, and fear of the Lord. Charm can be misleading and beauty is vain and so quickly fades. But this virtuous woman lives in the wonder, awe, and fear of the Lord. She will be praised throughout eternity. So go ahead and give her the credit that is due, for she has become a radiant woman, and all her loving works of righteousness deserve to be admired at the gateways of every city. God bless these special, special women.
Now, in contrast to all of these virtues that we have read in Proverbs 31, isn't it so sad that if you're listening to the voices in the world, they are continuing to voice their fake and superficial values upon women, causing them or wanting them to believe that they can only achieve womanhood, perfect womanhood, if they align themselves with the values of the world's standards. But we've read this morning that the word of God is diametrically opposed to those deceptions because God's word makes it crystal clear in Proverbs 31, 30, charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman, a woman, whether you're a wife, a mother, or a single, or just female, a woman, and I'd like to say a man as well, who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. See, the world in which we live is peddling this deception that if you are beautiful, then you've made it. And they don't understand that beauty is only skin deep. And true beauty is the beauty that comes from within. And so many have fallen into that deception. Delilah was beautiful, and she charmed Samson right into the, the hand of his enemies. Ahab married pagan Jezebel for political reasons, and after their marriage, she charmed him, the king of Israel, into worshiping a pagan god and to introduce to all of Israel Baal worship. She earned for her husband the reputation of being the most wicked, vile king in all of Israel's history. But he was charmed. He was deceived. And the Bible says beauty is vain. We've become a society that is so shallow. And women believe that if they are beautiful, then men will be attracted to them and will want to marry them. But that is not the most prominent quality to look for in a woman. Young men, if you're here still looking for a wife to marry, don't look for outer beauty. Look for inner beauty because the Bible says outward beauty is fleeting, it is vanishing, it fades and it disappears. It has no lasting value or worth. Real beauty, real value and real worth is not in how thin you are and not in how heads turn because of the curves and the contours of your body. But real beauty is in a woman who fears God and lives her life to love God first and foremost. It's inward beauty, not outward beauty. I'm sure so many of us have known women, even in their old age, who are still trying to be beautiful because all of their lives, all they've ever cared about is how glamorous they could look. When I was in the corporate world, we had a friend who was the secretary and said, I get up at four o'clock in the morning because it takes me a long time to put on all of my makeup. 
And to dress to the T, I, I don't know, I guess she was trying to impress or doing something, not realizing that that's so superficial. And certainly I'm not suggesting that we should not always look our best, but to believe that that is what really makes a person beautiful is living in such deception. And these women, even in old age, who are still caking makeup under their faces, are wearing a countenance that betrays a heart that is selfish, one that is unhappy, a distorted face because their focus is only on that which is mundane and earthly. Yet on the other hand, I have known women of God who fear God, who don't wear an ounce of makeup. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with makeup. But even without makeup, their countenance is aglow with the beauty and the glory of God. Their life has produced something of a rare beauty because they radiate and emanate the glory of God, the beauty of Jesus. And just being in their presence is so enriching. They sweeten the atmosphere, and it's all because of this inner beauty. It's the inner beauty of living with Christ and knowing Christ and allow the Christ in them to come out of them as they die to themselves, as they die to what the world says is beautiful, and as they pursue and follow after what God says is beautiful in his sight. A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. No wonder Solomon declares her price is far above rubies, and all the money in the world can never buy what the woman who fears God possesses. You know what God's evaluation of beauty in a woman? We read this in the New Testament by the Apostle Peter. Ladies, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is so very precious. Quite a challenge in the world in which we live today when women are being told that they need to take center stage, and I'm all for equality uh, of women but uh, according to God's word, the feminist movement has moved entirely out of the scope of what God says is the place for women. And it's not that God is demeaning women, but if they are to be truly blessed, God has a hierarchy in life. And as we submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God and live in alignment with the word of God, our lives will be blessed in a way that we would not otherwise ever be able to achieve that level of blessing. But if you've bought into the lie of the world that I've got to be, instead of being who God has called you to be, walking in the fear of God, living in submission to your husband as unto the Lord, 
And if he loves you as he should, do you know how that is? As Christ loved the church, he laid his life down. I don't think any wife would ever have a problem with being submitted to a husband who lays his life down for his wife. He sets the example of being selfless and nurturing and caring, putting his wife's interest first. And when a woman is loved in that kind of a way, she will willingly submit to that kind of headship, knowing that that just blesses her and nurtures her and feeds her with the love of Christ. Well, I got off on a little tangent there, I guess the Holy Spirit has that word for someone here this morning. But for the remaining time that we have uh, this morning, I want us to look at a wonderful example of a woman who fears the Lord. Her name is Hannah. And she presents to us today such a beautiful example of how God wants women to fear the Lord. And I want to include us men. I don't want us to turn a deaf ear because there's an abundant application also for our lives as we too live in the fear of God. The first thing I notice about Hannah, even though she was a woman who feared God, she was not exempt from life's heartaches and she encountered painful problems in her life. Don't buy the lie that if you live a life that is pleasing to God, and if you walk in the fear of God, that you are going to float to heaven on a rose bed of ease. That's a lie from the pit of Satan's hell. Because we're living in a world that has fallen, and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And there is heartache and pain for all of us, whether we belong to God or do not belong to God. I feel sorry for those who do not belong to God, for in the hard places, we know we have a loving, kind, gracious Heavenly Father who wants to hold us close to His heart, who wants to embrace us, comfort us, strengthen us, impart supernatural grace so that we could live lives that are more than conquerors, even in the midst of the greatest trials and heartaches of life. So we're prone sometimes to think that the heroes and the heroines in the word of God were somehow different than you and I, but they were real people with real problems. And because they walked in the fear of the Lord, they were able to face those problems with courage. Now, what was Hannah's problem? Those of us who are familiar with that story know what it was. And right from the beginning, as we read the account in the scripture, it's laid out very clearly in the second verse that Elkanah had two wives. Well, that's a big problem, isn't it? One was called Hannah and the other Peniah. Peniah had children, but Hannah had none. I think we all know that in the Jewish culture, if you were barren, you were considered cursed. Women who were not able to bear children were looked down upon. And so Hannah felt socially disgraced, and she was emotionally depressed. She was spiritually distraught and lived in defeat and discouragement. And here's how the story unfolds as the scripture tells us that every year she goes faithfully with her husband to Shiloh, which was where 
The temple was where the people of God would gather to worship and to sacrifice. And as prescribed by the law, as they brought their sacrifice and a thank offering, that the worshipers were permitted to participate in part of the sacrifice. So Elkanah would always give portions of the sacrificial meat that were not given in sacrifice to Paniah and her children. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And in that day, the culture dictated that the person that you favored and that you honored most would get the supersized meal. And so Elkanah was very faithful to fulfilling that cultural moray, as it were, and to honoring Hannah because he loved her over Peniah. But in spite of this preferential treatment, the Bible tells us, Hannah had a difficult time eating that larger portion because it was a thank offering, and in her heart, she really wasn't feeling very thankful at all because she wanted desperately to have a baby, and she was barren. Now, to add insult to injury, Elkanah's first wife, Peniah, taunted her, harassed her. Isn't that such a picture of how the enemy comes to us when we feel like there's something missing, there's something that I've been asking God for, he hasn't given it to me yet, That's the important word that we need to lay hold of yet, because I believe today that all the promises of God are yes and amen, and they will be fulfilled in God's time and in God's way. But because those promises were not yet fulfilled, Hannah was so deeply grieved as year after year after year they would go through this same ritual and Peniah would use every opportunity to taunt her. Look at what I have and you don't have. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 13 and verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think it was because Peniah recognized that Elkanah loved Hannah better and more than he loved her, that that just drove her to do anything she could to just aggravate and taunt Hannah to make her feel less than because she was not getting the same kind of love. But that wasn't the worst of what Hannah was dealing with, even though it grieved her soul sorely. She wrestled with this fact that we read in verse 5 and 6 of 1 Samuel 1 and 2. And the Lord had closed her womb. Do we understand that when difficult times come to us, that if we are the children of God, we need to understand that These things come from the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that God authors things that are evil, but he does allow things that are evil. They are under his watchful eye. He is sovereign, and he knows exactly what is going on. But for Hannah, this was the hardest thing for her to reckon with, that God is behind the circumstance 
that I am in right now. He has closed up my womb. When difficulty comes into our lives, we don't want to embrace or believe that reality. We'd rather blame it on Satan or on someone else. But the doctrine of the sovereignty of God is something that we need to lay hold of. For if we could lay hold of the truth that God is sovereign, he is Lord over all. There is not anything that happens in our life that God is not fully and totally aware of. And he says, if we love him and we are called according to his purpose, he is allowing it and is going to use it. He's bringing it all together for our good and for his glory. And if we know that, that should bring us to a place of peace. That should bring us into a place of rest. That should bring us into a place of we can acquiesce and breathe easier. You know, some people go through life and even to their grave. Why, God, did you give me that kind of a mother? Why did you allow that kind of a father to do to me what he did. We would be so much better off if we would be able to say, God, that was your sovereign choice for my life. I know that is a bitter pill for some to swallow, but that's the reality and the truth of God's word. And if you want to live a blessed and a full and fulfilled life in God, you need to come to that place where you're able to even say, Father, <laughs> you're a perfect daddy. You don't make any mistakes. So I want to thank you for the mother and the father that you gave to me. They were divinely, sovereignly chosen just for me. So that if I respond to you as I should respond to you, you're using it for my good and for your glory. That's something that somebody needs to take home with them so that you could change the whole trajectory of your life. Because if you continue to feel embittered by who your parents were and were not, then you're going to go through life miserable and unhappy and unfulfilled. Because guess what? Even the most perfect parent could never be the kind of parent that Abba Father is. And he wants to bring us all to that place where we own him as the perfect parent. And he wants to parent us. And I think we know that in the nature of God is both the maternal heart as he desires to bring us close to his breast as well as the father who wants to show us strong nurturing love and protection and provision. Can we submit to him and to live? And so Hannah is in such anguish. She's so distraught in spirit that even though Alcana offers her this gigantic piece of filet mignon. She is just weeping bitterly over her plight. And of course, when a good husband sees his wife heartbroken, 
He also is heartbroken. And in verse 8, we read of his attempt to comfort his wife. Hannah, why are you crying, darling? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? I guess that's really a little insensitive. Because as much as she may have loved her husband... She had a deep maternal instinct and wanted her own children. And just by way of aside, husbands, and I will confess I have not mastered this as yet, even in all of the years I've been married. But they say Italians are a little hard-headed, so I'll chalk that up as my excuse. That when our wives are in distress, we've been wired to fix the problem but they're not looking to us to fix anything. They're looking to us to support them, to encourage them, to let them know that we are there for them, that we understand. And my hard-headed Italian mindset, as soon as Kathy might have a rare bad day, and I'm thinking, what's going on with her today? And she says something that's bothering her, and right away, I want to fix it. She doesn't want me to fix it, just wanting me to hold her close to my heart and say, honey, I understand and I'm sorry for what you're going through. Okay, that was free advice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, women who fear the Lord encounter painful problems, but secondly, when they do, women who fear the Lord engage in powerful prayer. You know, there's no indication that, Hanai, uh, that Hannah lashed out at Paniah for her insults, for her harassment. Instead, she went to the Lord in prayer. She didn't want to deal with this in her own flesh. She knew where she had to turn. You, you need to be a woman who fears God to know where you need to turn in times of distress. Because women who do not fear God, and men as well, When we're in distress, we turn to all the wrong places to find comfort and grace and strength for what we need. Sometimes we blow up. Sometimes we call a friend and just regurgitate all over them what our problem is, hoping that they're going to give us some solace and some grace instead of turning to the Lord. A woman who fears the Lord will go to God. And you know, if there's one thing that our children should know about us as women, mothers who fear God, they should know that problems drive you to prayer. Do our children know as moms and dads that when we're in a hard place, we go to God in prayer? We don't get miserable. Our mood doesn't change. We take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, burdened with a load of care? Are there trials and temptations? Remember that old hymn? Take it to the Lord in prayer, because there you could cast your cares on him. That burden gets lifted because he is our burden bearer. He knows that we in our own strength cannot bear such a heavy weight. We need to cast our cares upon the Lord. Problems need to drive us to prayer, not to become angry and bitter, not to lash out and blame others, but to turn to God. Look at verse 10 and 11. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much, and she prayed to the Lord, and she made a vow saying, O Lord, 
Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery, remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. How did Hannah pray? Did she just glibly say, you know, God, I'm feeling pretty miserable right now. And please just take care of this. Will you please, your, your God, please take care of this. In bitterness of soul, these prayers were tear-stained. They were far from the routine of dried-eyed prayers. You know, tear-soaked prayers are effectual prayers. They're prayers that God says he takes those tears and he puts them into his bottle. I love what Alan Redpath, a great preacher, once said, when tears are in our eyes, it means that prayer is coming from our heart. And here's the really good and wonderful news, that those kinds of desperate prayers are responded to with the promise of God's word in Psalm 145 and verse 19. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. That's God's promise to you and to me. Don't feel that it's in vain that I'm crying out to God. He's not hearing me. He is hearing you. And he's answering your prayer in his time and in his way. Ask and keep on asking, Jesus said. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And the door shall be opened unto you. See, Hannah, because she feared the Lord, was not having just a pity party. She was directing the cries of a broken heart to the Lord Almighty. She knew who she was praying to. This wasn't a figment of her religion. This wasn't some notion that the priest had taught her that there is a God somewhere, someplace in the heavens who hears and answers prayer. He was the Lord Almighty. That verse was also translated, the Lord of hosts. And that means all of the hosts of heaven. Every angel that he created, and there are billions of them that are at his disposal to do his bidding, awaiting the command of his voice. So what is Hannah doing? She's appealing to God's power, to his authority. She knows that only he has the power and the authority to open her womb. She knows he's able. Mothers, what are you crying out to God for? I encourage you today to keep crying. Never underestimate the power of your prayers. God hears and answers prayer. We're told that Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley, spent one hour every day. You say, I don't have time to pray for my children. You have two, you have three. She had 17. And that's when the women did it all. 
It was below men to change diapers in those days. But she spent time praying for her children. And maybe God is allowing you to raise up a John or Charles Wesley who shook both England and America for the kingdom of God. See, of all the wonderful things that you can do for your children, none is more important, none is more valuable than praying and seeking God for your children. I know here again, the mores of the world in which we live today are screaming in our ears, entertain your children. And our children are addicted to entertainment. They get up in the morning, what are we doing today? Because every day parents are saying, guess what we're doing today? We're going here and then we're going there, then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that. And God forbid a day comes when mom, dad, you don't feel well enough to do anything. I'm bored. You're bored? You've got a closet room full of toys. You've got every electronic device in the world and you're bored? It is sad. Our children are addicted to entertainment and pleasure, and we as parents have put that on them. And they're growing up unfulfilled. They're actually growing up disabled because it's doing something to their minds, doing something to their personality, this need to constantly be entertained. They've got tablets in their hands, and they're glued to those tablets. And God forbid you take that tablet out of their hand... They need that fix. Amen. Lord, help us because we need to be godly parents who use wisdom and understanding in how we raise our children. And so in summary, a woman who fears God, she does encounter painful problems. She engages in powerful prayer, but a third defining trait, and we need to move really quickly as I bring this message to a close this morning. When she is faithful in that place of prayer, she will experience plentiful provision because our God is able to do above and beyond anything we could ask or ever think. Do you know that that's who your God is? Able to do beyond your wildest imagination, expectation, anticipation. You know, we've made our God so small. And he is so great. He is so mighty. He is so awesome. This woman who was barren all of her life, who for years was not able to bear children. And think of Sarah, who was in her 90s, and her husband, who was 100, well, well past the ability biologically of being able to have children. When God says, I'm going to give you a baby, he's going to give you a baby. And so it was with Hannah that after they returned home, after worshiping God, the scripture says that God, that she conceived and she gave birth to a son naming him Samuel. That name means God has heard. God will always prove himself abundantly faithful. And the fourth thing we want to note is that women who fear the Lord don't just get their answer, but they are, excel at keeping their promises. How often do we make promises to God, if you will only do this for me, I promise I'll do this. 
I promise I'll read my Bible every day. I promise I'll spend more time in prayer. I promise I'll go to church every Sunday. Hannah, because she was a woman who feared God, she fully intended to keep that promise. And I don't know about you, but I think we're living in a, an entitled world that has this obsession over ownership, over what's mine is mine, or what is due me is due me, and I've got to have it. How could it be that Hannah, after waiting all of these years, finally has a son? Can you imagine how she treasured that baby? And yet, as soon as he was weaned, she knew her commitment was to bring Samuel to the temple because he belonged to God. She acknowledged that she was only a steward of a child that God had entrusted to her that she would give back to God. There's a principle here that all of us need to recognize that everything we have, including our children, everything that we own, including our bank account, our retirement, whatever it is, it belongs to him. It came from him. It belongs to him. And we are only stewards. Do you know what a steward means? We don't own it. He's entrusted it to us for a time. And when he comes, we will be judged for how we have stewarded that which he has entrusted to us. Hannah not only dedicated herself to the Lord, she dedicated her child to the Lord. And in verse 28, we read, And so now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. Notice how she repeated that twice. There was no doubt in her mind. This was an irrevocable commitment that she had made. And she is in earnest. God, he is yours. And the final thing we see about a woman who fears the Lord that in every circumstance, she explodes with praise. We don't have time to plumb the depths of this beautiful psalm of praise in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel. But I do want to point out that there is no element of sadness or sorrow in the heart of Hannah. Think about it. She is now saying goodbye to this child that she longed for. And instead of walking away weeping... She is walking away rejoicing. Listen to verses 1 and 2. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted up. My mouth boasts over my enemies. For I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our rock. Is her focus on Little Samuel that she's left with Eli the priest. Oh, my precious little baby boy, how adorable he is. How bright and intelligent he is. How spiritually attuned he is at even such a young age. None of that. She's giving praise to God. Because God gave her the desire of her heart. And now she is giving that blessing back to God. But does God leave her forlorn? 
Does God leave her forsaken? I want you to know, saint of God, that God will be no man's debtor. For we read in uh, verse 21 of chapter 2, Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. God didn't leave her childless. God didn't leave her to go home and, and only be able to think about little Samuel that she left in the temple. What a gift she gave to the people of Israel, the prophet Samuel, who was mightily used by God. Do we care about just selfishly holding on to the gifts that God has give us, given us so that it makes us feel good, it makes us feel proud, it makes us feel happy, it brings us fulfillment, or are we willing to surrender them, give them to God and say, God, I want you to be praised. I want to see your kingdom advance. I want you to be glorified, regardless of what it costs me. It's all about you. It's all about your honor. It's all about your glory. That was the heart of a woman who fears God. So this morning, it's my prayer that God would not only grant to mothers, but to all of us to live our lives in the fear of the Lord and to know that as we are faithful to walk with God, even through painful problems, that as we pray and pray in power, that we will experience plentiful provision, but then we will excel in keeping our commitment and our promises to live a life that explodes in praise to our God, who is the author, the finisher of our faith, who has promised to perfect that which concerns us and will fulfill all of the pleasure of his goodwill for his honor and for his glory. Amen. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord. Father, we ask you on this Mother's Day, not only for your blessing upon every mother and the special calling that she has in all of our lives, but Father, for everyone who calls themselves by your name, that you would teach us how to walk in the fear of the Lord, that you would teach us through the example of Hannah us how to live our lives in the midst of heartache, in the midst of pain, in the midst of sorrow, that we might steward that which you've entrusted to us, that we might live and walk by faith and through prayer to obtain the promises of God, and to allow our lives to explode with praise so that you and you alone would be magnified and glorified in and through our lives all the days of our life. To this end, we pray, and for your honor and glory in Jesus' name, amen, amen.